is presented as entertainment, not flight instruction. Though some participants are certified flight instructors, their comments, opinions, and discussions of flying techniques are theirs alone. None of the co-hosts or guests on this podcast are acting as your flight instructor. Please consult your own CFI for guidance on your specific flight training, aeronautical knowledge, and aircraft operation. is the Stuck Mike Avcast, an aviation podcast about learning to fly, living to fly, and loving to fly. Episode 235, Manifesto, a revolutionary approach to general aviation maintenance with Mike Bush, coming up next in this episode of the Stuck Mike Avcast. Now here are your co-hosts, Victoria Newville, Eric Crump, Larry Overstreet, Russ Rosleski, Tom Frick, Rick Felty, and Carl Valeri. Welcome to the show about learning to fly, living to fly, and loving to fly. Today we have a special guest, Mike Bush, to discuss his book, Manifesto, A Revolutionary Approach to General Aviation Maintenance. Before we get started, first a few words from our sponsor. Take it away, Larry. Do you want to pursue a career in aviation as a pilot, air traffic controller, mechanic, or dispatcher? Or do you just want to earn that commercial or instrument rating, but you need help paying for it? The Aerospace Scholarships Guide at AviationCareersPodcast.com has over $50 million in available scholarships. Many of these go unused because people don't apply for them. For just $10, you'll receive a full-year subscription to the guide, which is updated monthly. Every scholarship is personally verified to make sure it's accurate and still available. More information is at AviationCareersPodcast.com. Well, don't forget the most recent update to the scholarship guide includes 56 new scholarships, 10 updates and a new section called scholarships for adults category so check those out there also if you want to help out and help someone get a scholarships guide you can get one directly by purchasing one for ten dollars for somebody at the pay it forward campaign or become a patron for every ten dollars we raise one dollar excuse me one scholarships guide is given away so every time someone gives us ten dollars we give away one scholarships guide and don't forget to tell your friends to use that coupon code pay it forward we increase the number of coupons based on how much we bring in every ten dollars we bring in we increase the coupon codes by one almost always after we do this podcast so coupons are gone and i'm so glad that it's making a big big difference also news and announcements uh our next live event is going to be hopefully a sun and fun aerospace expo may 5th through the 10th uh they're going to make a decision as to whether they're going to postpone it or uh if they have to cancel it or not you can find out more information about that we talked about in a previous episode, but flysnf.org is where you can find all information about that. Also, in this episode, I talked to Mike Bush, and I uh, this was pre-recorded, and we were discussing how Sun and Fun was still a go. Well, this was uh, uh, just a couple of days before they decided to postpone that. So, any reference you see in there between Mike and I talking about Sun and Fun and the Expo, just remember that uh, it's actually been postponed to uh, May 5th through 10th. And if you're listening to this later, uh, you might already know uh, what's happening from there after April 20 or excuse me April 17th they're going to make a final decision that's in 2020 either way can't wait to see you at any of the air shows if you see us with those orange shirts on come say hi to us no matter what air show we are at anyway let's get on with the show and our interview with Mike Bush today our guest is uh, Mike Bush Mike is somebody that 
I haven't actually met yet, but uh, full disclosure, I've used his services for a pre-buy inspection and also some maintenance on, remember that 182 in past episodes I talked about? I had a picture of the, the P-Pont conversion, the engine that we had on there. Uh, it was a lot of fun to own that, and now I'm into a Piper Cherokee. And uh, it's uh, it's really exciting to have you on, Mike, because uh, I am actually new uh being alone involved in the maintenance of a general aviation aircraft. So this is so exciting to have you here, Mike. Well, thank you for inviting me, Carl. I appreciate it. Well, Mike, you ha- you have a plethora of information out there uh, on the Internet. You really are one of the great resources for aviation, and you do take a revolutionary approach to some maintenance, but we'll get to that in a second. But you really, the neat thing about you, Mike, is that you really want to teach, and I think that's exciting, and you've written in, in many different uh, magazines. If I remember correctly, AvWeb was one of the ones I think you uh, helped start that one on the web. Yes. And yes, I was co-founder of AvWeb and uh, served as editor-in-chief of AvWeb for seven years. So tell us a little bit about your background, how you got into uh, maintenance, because I think you started off maybe in another career, but you've been doing this. for You know a lot about ownership with aircraft. Yes, I, I've been an aircraft owner. It's close to 55 years now, uh, wow. Carl. Um, I bought my uh, I got my private pilot's license while I was uh, still in college and um, I bought my first aircraft uh, when I was uh, in my 20s first moved out to California it was a it was a 1968 Cessna 182 that I bought in 1968 picked it up from brand new from the Cessna factory in Wichita flew it back to California pretty heady stuff for a 25-year-old kid. <laughs> sure is. <laughs> and um, flew it for some years and put a lot of hours on it, uh, traded it in for um, a higher-performance aircraft. It was a Blanca Super Viking. Um, and then uh, I wound up uh, buying my third airplane, which is the airplane I still own and fly. Um, I had it for over 30 years now, it's a it's a Cessna Turbo 310, um, a piston twin, a pretty fabulous airplane. It's been been very very good to me. Um, I do have an unusual background for an A and P mechanic. Um, I was uh, trained as a mathematician. Uh, actually, originally uh, had planned to become a math professor uh, and. Uh, I sort of had an epiphany while I was in a PhD program at Princeton and decided that instead of being a math professor, I wanted to get involved in the then just emerging field of computer software. So um, I'm a, a, a Princeton PhD dropout. I got involved in computer software, worked for Fortune 500 company for a while, then started my own software company for a while and for quite a long time actually. And had a long career in software development, software entrepreneurship. And then uh, finally, um, when I uh, turned about 60 years old, I decided that uh, I'd been doing software long enough and I wanted to see if I could turn my longtime avocation of flying into a vocation. So I got involved in a number of aviation ventures. AvWeb was one of them. And then um, uh, 12 years ago, I started Savvy Aviation, uh, which is the firm that I 
spend most of my time involved with now. And as you point out, I do an awful lot of outreach. I write the monthly maintenance column in AOPA Pilot Magazine. I do monthly uh, webinars uh, sponsored by EAA at Aircraft Spruce on the first Wednesday of every month. I usually wind up having uh, six to 800 people attend each of those and thousands more watching the videos. Um, and for the last five years, I've been involved in a big project writing um, uh, a series of four books, which I, I just just completed the, the fourth and last of that series um, last month. And I'm going to take a little break from book writing for a while. So I've been busy. <laughs> you sure have. Um, you know, one of the things I've, I was trying to figure out in your background, now you understand, is uh, why you're so passionate about teaching um you know it seems like you know that background that you we put forth like being at princeton and going to math etc that usually lends itself to somebody who's gonna gonna teach or do some some research and uh, the wonderful thing about what you've done and just in the articles i've read of course and and you know like i said full disclosure i've used your services the it's the fact that not only do you give somebody information but also you you walk them through the process of how you came to this conclusion and you do it in a, in a great manner. So you're a very good teacher is what I'm trying to say. And I really enjoy everything you've done so far. Um, and, and there's many other people can, can vouch for that because they've learned so much. And we have, um, you know, had people on, on the show in the past who, who basically talk about say, Hey, Mike Bush, and, and this is his theory on, on aviation maintenance, which we'll get to in a second. So hats off to you on that. First of all. Um, but, uh, uh, one of the things that I really think is is important for us, you know, look at me here. I've been in aviation for, you know, a few decades and uh, I really I turned myself into this owner now. Um, like I was telling you before the show that I've never really had to rely on myself for aviation maintenance. And there's a lot of other folks that are out there like me who, okay, now I can describe this. I understand all the basics and stuff like that, but it's not till you get to the point of making a decision. It's kind of like being a, a pilot in command. It's not until you actually make that decision about maintenance that you really are test, you test your metal. Uh, you know, you see, you see some oil dripping on the, on the floor. What does that mean? Uh, you know, on my hangar, what is, what's that blue stuff on the ground that got, now what do I do next? And that's one of the things that I think is very helpful in the, all the different things that you've done uh, with the educational process and all these seminars that you've done, either online, et cetera. And by the way, you can just you can look these up if you're looking at the show notes now. Savvy Aviation, click on that. You can find out a lot of, of what you've done there. Question is, though, um, this, this book that you've written... It's. I love the title manifesto. You know, it's, it truly is a revolutionary approach to general aviation maintenance. Um, what made you actually finally sit down and write this book? And who is this book for? Well, um, the the book is for aircraft owners, absolutely. And after almost fifty years as an aircraft owner, uh, this is five years ago when I decided to write manifesto um, and uh, about 25 years swinging wrenches on airplanes 15 years as an A&P mechanic um, I became more and more thoroughly convinced uh, that the way most piston general aviation aircraft are maintained is simply wrongheaded um, you know our maintenance manuals prescribe 
hundreds of preventive maintenance tasks uh, that the manufacturers want us to perform at specific intervals every 50 or 100 or 500 hours every year, every five years, so on. Um, our engines are assigned a fixed TBO measured in so many hours and so many years. Um, I, I, I once counted up all of the the, the, the scheduled preventive maintenance tasks in the maintenance manual on my Cessna 310, and it came to something over 250 scheduled maintenance tasks. Um, but, you know, that's not how it's done by the airlines. They gave up most of this silly fixed timetable preventive maintenance stuff 50 years ago, around 1970, actually. And... Um, they gave it up in favor of something called reliability-centered maintenance, or RCM for short. RCM was developed in the late 1960s by some very smart guys at United Airlines. Uh, Stan Nolan, N-O-W-L-A-N, was an aeronautical engineer, and Howard Heap was a mathematician. Actually, his specialty was statistics. And United... Um, I don't know what possessed them to do this, but United uh, asked Nolan and Heap to study the way United was doing its maintenance and to try to come up with some recommendations um, about how the maintenance could be done better. Um, and the interesting part of it is that Nolan and Heap were both scientists and neither of them knew anything about maintenance. Neither of them had ever swung a wrench on anything. So they were looking at this stuff through the eyes of a scientist, not the eyes of, 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 a, of a mechanic. And um, um, at the time, uh, airlines were doing maintenance on fixed timetable basis, the way most GA airplanes are, are maintained today. Um, and the more Nolan and Heap looked at this, the more they came to the conclusion that this was just an absolutely terrible way to do maintenance. And they wound up formulating a, a whole new maintenance paradigm uh, based on, you know, formal engineering principles, really good data behind it. Um, this paradigm that we now call RCM, reliability-centered maintenance, um, in which preventive maintenance is not done on a fixed timetable. It's not done at fixed intervals. It's only done when it's demonstrably necessary based on inspection findings. Um, so the emphasis is not on um, taking things apart and putting them back together. The emphasis is on inspection and only taking things apart and putting them back together when the inspection indicates uh, that there's a need to do so. And, and this change in philosophy reduced the amount of preventive maintenance by almost two orders of magnitude, uh, almost, uh, almost a factor of 100. And it did away with almost all uh, TBOs um, and, and other fixed main, maintenance intervals. Um, the maintenance people screamed bloody murder about this because they were convinced that if they did less maintenance on these airplanes, that they, the aluminum would start falling out of the sky. Um, but to their credit, the... Uh, the executives of United adopted the recommendations of Nolan and Heap and implemented this new maintenance program, this new maintenance philosophy, really. And you know what happened? Not only uh, did the airline save a ton of money on maintenance, as you might expect, 
But the planes became more reliable. Their, their dispatch reliability increased. And there were fewer maintenance-related flight cancellations and so on. Um, now, the, the reduction in cost was expected. The increase in reliability came as an unexpected surprise. Um, but there was actually a very good reason for it. Uh, you know, any time a mechanic takes something apart and puts it back together, there's a risk that it won't work properly because of some error, some usually an error of omission that the mechanic makes in the process of putting it back together. And, and we call these maintenance-induced failures or MIFs, M-I-F, MIFs for short. Um, and it, it's it's kind of the dirty little secret of maintenance that it often breaks airplanes in the process of trying to fix them. Um, and every aircraft owner has had this experience of, of taking an airplane into the shop, let's say, for an annual inspection and taking it back out. And something that worked perfectly well before the annual, it doesn't work anymore. You have to take it back to the shop and get it get the problem corrected. That's a, that's a maintenance-induced failure, and, and everybody's experienced that. Um, it turns out that these things happen a lot more than anybody really wants to admit. And um, because RCM drastically reduced the amount of maintenance that was being done on the airplanes, it, it drastically reduced the opportunity for these MIFs. And that's why the airplanes became more reliable under this new maintenance philosophy. Now, when I started looking into this, I, I, I first uh believed that that Nolan and Heap at United were the guys that that invented this philosophy and and that's actually they're pretty much credited for inventing it but um, I actually uncovered the fact that there was another guy who came up with it about 20 years earlier um, in the 1940s during World War II and it was a guy named Professor CH Waddington Um who um, uh, got uh, drafted into the Royal Air Force in Britain, as many scientists did during World War II. And um, the RAF uh, asked Waddington and his team of fellow scientists to take a look at how the maintenance was being done on a fleet of B-25s that the, uh, that the Brits were using to, um, uh, to do... A torpedo bombing of uh, German submarines, it turns out. And um, the B-25s had a horrible um, dispatch reliability, well, I guess what, what they'd call in the military now force readiness. It was just terrible. And at any given point in time, only about 50% of the B-25s in the, in the fleet were, were actually in flight status. The rest of them were either down for maintenance or waiting for parts or something like that. And uh, Waddington and his group, uh, again, took a look at this and scratched their heads and said, as scientists who didn't know anything about maintenance, why the hell are we, why are we doing it this way? It doesn't make any sense. And they s came up with a bunch of recommendations to drastically reduce the amount of preventive maintenance that was being done on these B-25s to increase the maintenance intervals that were being used. And as a result, force readiness on these airplanes just about just about doubled. Um, and interestingly enough, the, the work that Waddington did uh, during, during the Second World War 
was unknown to Nolan and Heap when they independently rediscovered it in the 60s because it remained classified. The Waddington's work remained classified until the 90s when when his notes were finally released. Um, and uh, even, even now, Waddington's work is not all that well done. And Nolan and Heap get most of the credit for all of this. But in any case, uh, this, this is something that's been actually discovered and rediscovered a couple of times. So, um, with that as background, I, I wrote Manifesto because I wanted to do everything I could to persuade the owners of Piston GA airplanes uh, to start maintaining their airplanes using this RCM methodology. Um, uh, because doing it will not only save them a small fortune on their on their maintenance budget, um, but will also make their airplanes safer and more reliable. So it's it's just the right thing to do, um, and that's the primary message of uh, manifesto. Um, the rest of the book talks exactly um, how owners can implement an RCM program, but but basically that's the reason that I that I wrote the book was to get this message out about reliability centered maintenance and why we should be doing things that way. You know, this is a message that I think is incredibly important, what you just uh, put forth here. And uh, reliability center maintenance is is really, it's, in, it's interesting where we have, as general aviation pilots, not adopted, I think, as quickly what the airlines are doing. But one of the things that we can do, just like you said, if we go back decades and we can see the, the actual work of, of multiple people proving that this does work now. You talked about maintenance-induced failures. Uh, those are things that are very uncomfortable to talk about. I know uh, some of the listeners here, are, a couple of them are my mechanics <laughs> that I've done work with. I really, this is not in any way disparaging to anybody. This is, we work as a team, both as owners and also as mechanics. And, and it takes somebody with a lot of, you know, humbleness to come forth and say to themselves, okay, I don't know everything. I'm the mechanic, and I have a lot more knowledge about this, but I also need to rely on the owner. I need to rely on the pilot, et cetera, and we have to talk about you know, what it is that we are going to do to move forward to solve a problem or to prevent the problem from happening. You know, Mike, one of the things that's kind of interesting as you were talking, one thing that we say either at the airlines or even today, picking up an airplane from maintenance is that you have to check everything. You, you know, my uh, nephew just picked up a 172 and all the knobs were all missing for all the <laughs> instruments. And it's like, well, wait a minute. It's like, oh yeah, we can put those back in. Those are little things, right? But, uh, you know, as some people have heard, obviously on a previous podcast, you know, someone didn't tighten up the, you know, the oil return line and uh, that spewed oil all over my engine. I had a, you know, had a bit of an emergency. And that's a, that's something that's much more dramatic. And those are the kind of things we're, we're trying to prevent. But I will say one thing, Mike, and I know you've probably felt this and before we go into some of the specifics in the book as to what we can learn as aircraft owners. There's some pushback I've, I've actually received because I've, I, I talk about this type of maintenance and what we do at the airlines. And then I talk about you know, the books that I've read, et cetera, and I, I go forth with, well, do we have to do this? Do we need, we're at, almost at TBO, but the, it's running fine. Why do we need to do this? But you know what I hear, and you, I'm sure, Mike, you've heard this a million times, is, well, you know, this, you know, my, I have to pay the shop insurance, and, you know, this is what the TBO is, and I'm not going to go beyond that because it recommends this, et cetera. I'm sure you hear that quite often from mechanics. Absolutely. And, look, the, the fact is that, 
mechanics are taught the old way of doing things when they go through A&P school. And more than that, uh, because most mechanics aren't really philosophers, you know, we're talking about maintenance philosophy. Mechanics are, it's drummed into their head that they have to do everything by the book. And so they're just, they're, they're spring-loaded to the do-it-by-the-book position. That's how mechanics are taught. And they're also taught that if you don't do it by the book, you leave, you, you leave yourself open for liability. And nowadays, mechanics are just scared to death of being sued. And uh, so absolutely, um, I hear that a lot. You know, but, but, but here's the thing. Um, mechanics are not responsible for what maintenance is to be done or when it is to be done. That's not their job. A lot of them think it is. But if you look at the, at the FAA regulations, it's extremely clear who's responsible for what. It is the owner-operator who is responsible for what maintenance is to be done, when it is to be done, if it is to be done. It is the mechanic's responsibility to perform the maintenance that the aircraft owner asks to be performed in a correct fashion. Um, and the correct fashion to perform the maintenance is normally to follow the book. Um, it's, it's actually not always required to follow the book. There are alternative acceptable methods and so on. But 99% of the time, the proper way to perform maintenance is to follow the book. But that's the how to do it part, not the when to do it part. The when to do it part is not a mechanic's responsibility. It's an owner's responsibility. And too many aircraft owners abdicate their responsibility to their mechanics and let their mechanics tell them what maintenance is to be done and when instead of the other way around. But that, that's not the way, you know, the, 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 uh, the, the FARs and the good Lord intended things to be. Um, and, you know, you mentioned that this is sort of like pilot in command. One of the chapters of the manifesto is called is titled Owner in Command. And, and that's just one of my really big things is that aircraft owners have to understand what their responsibilities are under the regs and to step up to the plate and, and take that responsibility instead of deferring it to their mechanics. So for the person that is willing to go this route and change their the way that they operate the aircraft, and that, that's kind of what I've been doing in the past six months, it can be a challenge, though, because j just from like a psychological standpoint, my mechanic is my friend, right? So yeah. so it's hard it's hard to tell a friend, hey, listen, you know, I, I kind of want to go this route, and this is why, and uh, it's nothing against you. I just want to see if this will work. This is, uh, I don't think, you know, I'm coming up on TBO, but I really don't think we, we need to do an overhaul. Um, maybe we could do something different, and, uh, and if it's running fine, why change things? If it ain't broke, why fix it is my philosophy, um, and I'm not using it for hire, et cetera. So how do I approach a mechanic when I start discussing this? Well, you know, a lot of aircraft owners have a lot of problems doing that. They, they really have a hard time acting as their own director of maintenance um, and, and, and telling the mechanic what they want done rather than letting them 
have the mechanic tell them what to do. You know, I spent 10 years going all around the country teaching uh, seminars to aircraft owners about how to how to do this properly. And it was a good course. It was a 17-hour total immersion weekend course. And, you know, I have to be honest with you. The vast majority of the aircraft owners who graduated from my course just couldn't do it. They, When it finally came down to it, they just could not um, uh, master the assertiveness that it would take to to start telling their mechanic what they want done. And, and that's actually the original reason that, that I started Savvy Aviation 12 years ago, is to say, well, look, if, if we can't teach aircraft owners how to do this properly, some aircraft owners do it okay, but not a lot, then, then, then maybe, uh, maybe there's, a, there, there's a need for um, a company that will do it for you, where, where you know, we – we basically act as your maintenance representative and we give your mechanic marching orders so that you don't have to do it. And, uh, um, you know, kind of like being your attorney or your CPA, that sort of representation. And that's really how Savvy originally got started is that, you know, because we don't have any problems saying no to mechanics. We do it a thousand times a day. You know? <laughs> we're, we're very practiced at it. But a lot, most aircraft owners have a very, very tough time doing that. And, you know, let me, let me give you a, a non-aviation example. Um, well, it started, with, it started with aviation. I was down at my hangar in, uh, in, in uh, late December. I was changing the turbocharger on the, on the left engine. And I went over to the workbench to get something, and I headed back to the to the aircraft, and I tripped over a power cord, and I fell on the hangar floor really hard, and I wound up um, uh, uh, rupturing my Achilles tendon on my right foot. It was uh, it was very painful, and um, so I went to my primary care doc and she sent me in for an ultrasound and then she sent me in for an MRI and uh, then she sent me to an orthopedic surgeon and the orthopedic surgeon looked at the MRI and said well we're just we're going to have to operate on it and uh, you're going to be in a cast for eight weeks and you know then you're going to be in a walking boot for some months after that and um, I said doc isn't there a less invasive way to deal with this and he said no we're gonna have to operate on it so a lot of people in that position would say well okay when do we schedule a surgery but i'm not like that so i went home and i started pulling out pulling up white papers from the national institute of health on on achilles tendons you would not believe how much stuff there's written about Achilles tendon ruptures because it happens to athletes all the time and there's a awful lot of money spent getting those athletes back to where they can compete again. <laughs> so there was just a tremendous amount of reading material available if you if you went to look for it on on uh, various websites, very scholarly stuff, all sorts of, you know, peer-reviewed studies of trying this versus that and so on. And I read all this stuff and I said, I'm not going to let them operate on me. I'm going to do a non-surgical approach. 
So instead of going to the surgeon, I decided to do uh, six weeks of, uh, of uh, physical therapy, and I'm back to 100%. And uh, um, But most patients in my position probably wouldn't have done that. They probably would have said, okay, doc, you know best, and would have gone through the surgery. So, I mean, that's ki- that's kind of like the owner in command concept when it comes sure. to to maintenance of your own bod. You know, it's it, it all is the same kind of stuff. The, the parallels between aircraft maintenance and medicine are always very striking to me because it's all the same stuff, and it's all the same psychology that you have to do. Yeah. So right. we're 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 just we're just trying to help aircraft owners have the guts to say no to the surgeon because you know when you get right down to it A&P mechanics are the surgeons of aviation that's what they do they 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 take things apart that's what they that's that's what they do for a living just like surgeons take things apart you know and put them back together and occasionally they they screw up not very often um but you know we don't we don't do surgery lightly or at least I don't I mean, I, I have to agonize over it and think about it and study it and say, is the benefit, does the benefit outweigh the risks and the cost of doing it? And in this case, I decided it didn't. And so I declined the surgery. And, and now, you know, in retrospect, it was a fabulously good decision. But, um, but with that said, I think one of the things that many of us find, especially with mechanics, is there's, you know, having been, you know, as a software engineer and, and diagnose things and trying to troubleshoot things, sometimes there's this, what I call like a shotgun approach to, to diagnosing and they'll, they'll try one thing and try another, and they do, like you said, they do the surgery, but they do it three times. Um, and that's one of those things that you have to prevent by doing this more, you know, a cerebral method where you're actually Absolutely. doing the research. And, and actually, in, in volume two of my um, ownership book, the one that that's just came out, um, there's a whole chapter about troubleshooting. Yes, so, I mean, not a whole chapter, a whole section, several chapters, about five chapters, all about troubleshooting, because it's super important. And, um, and, and in many ways, it is the aircraft owner that has to get heavily involved in the troubleshooting process. Because the essence of troubleshooting is gathering data about the problem and then figuring out what it's trying to tell you. And a lot, most of the problems that we have with airplanes, you can't gather data in the maintenance hangar. You can only gather data up in the air. So if the aircraft owner isn't good at gathering the data necessary to come to a definitive diagnosis and he just you know, sticks the plane in the shop and says to the mechanic, you know, the engine hiccuped. There's no way the mechanic's going to be able to, to reproduce that problem. So he's just going to have to shotgun it. He doesn't have any choice. Right. So we have to actually take it upon ourselves to take responsibility and take more action. Uh, like I did today, I took a video of something with my airplane and said, hey, I'm having a problem with this. Can you look at this video first? Mm-hmm. And uh, I think that is incredibly important. I know I do that with the uh, the airplane at work is I always take a picture and and video if I can get that. And that's data, actually. It's not, not just the data that you can glean from hooking up things to your airplane. It's the, the pilot 
compile in command. Actually, like you, I like that the owner command. What a what a great great thing to call that. Um, that's where we are the ones that really have to take a stand and and really move forward and be the one that is a huge part of this maintenance uh, cycle. It's hard to do though, and I think that's the reason I'm assuming, Mike, that you've done so well with this because I it is good to have. I like the way I tell people what you do is and how you do is you're like the aviation maintenance advocate for us is what I tell people. And and, and so instead, you know, you're the kind of the go between not only you can also, and this has been done too. You can turn it around and say to the owner, me, Hey, Carl, you know, I think you're not being reasonable here. You know, so it's not just, isn't it, you're not just going towards the mechanic. It's actually in reverse. You know, you put the mirror in front of us and say, hey, uh, yeah, this is, uh, he's right. The mechanic's right on this, in this case. So I don't want it to, to skew it in one direction. But, mm-hmm. but I think that's, that's one of the things that we need to, to change in our philosophies. And I do know it's hard to do. And sometimes you hurt people's feelings. And, uh, and, right. I, and you know, another, another uh, medical analogy. Um, owners have to start learning to go seek second opinions. Um, just like we, just like uh, like a, a, a uh, an educated uh, patient should seek second opinions before uh, deciding to do something risky or invasive, and you know, it, it, it's uh, and the fact that you want to go get a second opinion. Um, should not make the make your doctor feel insulted. It should make your doctor feel like you're a prudent, involved patient who wants to do the right thing. Now, some will, some may get their feathers ruffled, <laughs> oh, yeah. but that's not a very mature reaction. But that's what we do in a cockpit, especially in a crude cockpit. We all we look at each other and say, "Do you agree?" You know, the, in the airlines, they have many opinions on a flight. You know, you have two crew members usually, maybe three, and then you have a dispatcher. They all have to agree on the flight. Um, it's not just one person making that decision. You know, it's it, I, one of the things that I've I've been fascinated by, um, and I and I've never quite understood it. And and I now I'm going to say something that some people may wind up accusing me of mechanic bashing and I hate to be accused of that but and I am a mechanic um, but you know pi- as pilots we have a long proud tradition of wanting to talk about accidents and wanting to learn from our mistakes and somehow or other most mechanics are aren't very comfortable talking about mechanic mistakes. And when somebody brings up a subject like maintenance-induced failures, they get real defensive about it. I, I, and I, I've never quite understood why uh, pilots seem to be pretty thick-skinned about this. And, and I mean, you know, I subscribe to uh, a, a little magazine called the NTSB Reporter, and I read all sorts of NTSB accident reports every month. And uh, I think most pilots uh, are very interested in, in 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 doing that. Mechanics, not so much, and I've never quite understood the reason that it was different. 
there's something we have to research. That that's fascinating to figure out why. Um, maybe it's a cultural thing that that happens from the beginning in our training. Well, it, it apparently is a cultural thing, but I haven't quite figured out where it where it comes from. Where co- right, right. Where does that? But imagine? when I when I talk about mechanics making mistakes, I always get hate mail from mechanics saying, "Why are you always bashing mechanics?" <laughs> When I talk about, you know, pilots making mistakes in an aircraft accident, I never get anything like that. Interesting. Interesting. <laughs> yeah, this this is something we need to look into. But but with that said, I mean, one of the things that I, th- I, I really, I am in awe of my mechanic a lot of times, you know, and mechanics in general, I think uh, for so long it was like magical. But now being more of a part of that, I realize that, you know, if you're somebody who wants to become a mechanic, you can do it. It's not, you know, it's not, <laughs> I shouldn't say it's not rocket science, but you, anybody can do something and put their mind to it. I've always felt I couldn't, but now with all these tools that I have, I, maybe I might not become a mechanic, but now I'm part of that process. And and reading this book here is is really, I think, the start to becoming part of that process, reading Manifesto, because it really is uh, this new revolutionary approach to aviation maintenance, but it really... That approach has it's this, it's a this long new, history. Very old exactly, <laughs> and and that's the point I was going to make. It actually has this incredible history. It's, it's new to us. But exactly, it's not, it's not new. <laughs> and, and it's a great it's a great read. As a matter of fact, it made me pick up this other one. You have one on engines, and I read that in like in two days. I could not put that down. What a great book! You read um, it in two days. Oh, that, I could that not. That one is like five hundred and twenty. Oh, it's pages huge. Long. I just couldn't. I couldn't stop. I mean. I mean, it just, uh, it was phenomenal. And uh, I, I really, I go back and I reference it and uh, just, I just ate it up. Um, a lot, maybe I went through it quicker because I started with Manifesto, I'm not sure. Uh, but there's, there's a few things, I, obviously a little, little yeah. overlay, well, but not Manifesto much. Manifesto sets the stage for all of these books and it and it's, the, it's short and it's quick and you can read it in one sitting yes. easily and... It, it just kind of lays out the philosophy that underlies all the rest of it. We're, we're talking about Manifesto, but to, uh, if someone's interested in reading these, I mean, it spurred a lot of interest, I hope, uh, by us talking about it. Where would someone start? Would they start with the Manifesto and then go from there? Yes, absolutely. And then what's after that? You talk about these other books. So it's Manifesto, and I just mentioned Engines, but... Yeah, there's, yeah it's, a, it's a series of four books. It was originally supposed to be three books. Um, it was supposed to be the manifesto and then a book called Mike Bush on engines and another one called Mike B- Bush on airplane ownership. Um, and then when we started outlining, outlining uh, Mike Bush on airplane ownership, it turned out that it was going to be over a thousand pages long and you can't really do a paperback that's over a thousand pages long with, with it's just not physically practical. So I wound up dividing it into two, that, that last one into two volumes. And so it became a, f- a, s- a series of four books rather than three. Um, and Manifesto should definitely be read first. Um, and actually, the reading them in the order that they were published is it, it probably it m- makes the most sense, although it's not absolutely required. But reading Manifesto, which is the small philosophy book, uh, doing reading that first is usually is probably the best idea because it kind of makes everything else uh, fall into into proper perspective. 
It's a fascinating read, that's for sure. It's opened my eyes to a lot of things. It's changed my philosophy in in uh, dealing with aviation maintenance in my aircraft. Um, I, you know, I have many years of flying, but I, I'm so new to this aircraft ownership and and owning my own maintenance. I think I was like a typical client of yours. I would just say, here, you know, whatever you say, do it to the maintenance uh or whoever's taking care of my aircraft. Now I'm like, well, explain to me, you know, why we're doing this. Cause I'm interested. I am interested, but, um, yes. maybe we could do something different. Maybe we, maybe I need to be more of a part of that. And I'm finding like that. I'm having longer conversations with my mechanics. Um, mm-hmm. I'm buying them lunch now, you know, <laughs> and then those guys, that's are, good. That's good. And, or beer. <laughs> and beer, there's always beer in the fridge and my, as a matter of fact, I always tell all my mechanics, yeah. they have the keys to my hangar. If you want a beer, go have one. But after you do the work on my engine or my airplane, and, and, and you know, it's, and it's funny because some mechanics love owners that are, that, that are like that, that are involved and want to speak the language and, you know, won't want to be part of the process. And, and other mechanics don't. They, they say, hey, you know, go away and don't bother me. And doctors are the same way. You know, I'm, I'm, I'm probably a fairly challenging patient because I'm very deeply involved when, when it comes to my own health care. And some doctors really enjoy having a patient like me and some not so much. <laughs> right. But, I mean, the ones that do enjoy it, that's the ones that you try to gravitate towards. Um, yes. And you learn so much about yourself, too, just like you learn a lot about your own airplane. And the ones that are willing to take the time to talk to me are the ones I'm going to hang on to as, as mechanics. And I will say one thing. Mechanics do care. I mean, they really want to do the right thing. Uh, but I, I think one of the things, like you said, this is some pushback I get, uh, is that they are skewed more towards being worried about being sued. Uh, and I will, I will say that, you know, and that's where I think this kind of goes down that hole. It's like, gosh, you know, where do we, you know, what do I say to that? I said, I, I get it. It's just, I, I think, yeah. you know, but this is what the book does. The book helps you, you know, push back and say, no, no, I, I think this is what we well, need to do. Well, you know, the, the, on that particular subject and, and, you know, uh, the, the, there's a word for that. It's called liticophobia, mm-hmm. <laughs> fear yes. of being sued, and and it's a, it's it's just one of the scourges in our industry. There's just no question about it. Um, but th- there's really two things that 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 uh, I'd like to observe about that. First of all, um, when mechanics start making decisions that owners really should be making. And when owners let them do that, the mechanic is taking on more liability, not less. Um, and and it's, it's, I've always found it puzzling that, that, you know, mechanics aren't willing to let aircraft owners make as many decisions as they want to make because the more the owner makes those decisions rather than the mechanic – and the the more the fact that it is the owner that has made the decisions is written down somewhere so that if 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 it ever comes into question um it you can point it and say it's very very clear who who you know who made the decision to go past TBO or you know not to grease the wheel bearings this annual or whatever the the particular item might be um, 
that actually reduces the mechanic's liability, not increases it. But most mechanics haven't really thought it through to to uh, to understand that. The, the other thing I'd like to say about this is, look, and I, I've thought about this a lot since I've made, you know, since I started my second career in aviation. <laughs> uh, um, a- aviation is is um, is a uh, you, you can't be in aviation without incurring liability and there's two ways to deal with liability you can either try to avoid incurring it um, or you can insure against it and I'm a firm believer in in the second thing I, you know I'm I basically have been making my living for 12 years um, telling people, no, don't do it the way the book says, do it this other way because it's better. And, you know, if there was ever a liability magnet, <laughs> it's me. Uh, <laughs> and, uh, and I don't, you know, I don't stay awake nights about that. I, I you know, my company has uh, – Lots of liability insurance. I spend the money to do that, and I think it's money well spent because it liberates me to do the right thing without having to worry about all this CYA stuff. Um, and, you know, I I just wish more people in aviation, and particularly in aviation maintenance, would, you know, take that attitude that, that look, liability is something we insure against and and then we do the right thing for our clients and you know i think that's the right the the, the right way to to go and that's the way i've operated and you know knock on wood i've been doing all this wild and crazy stuff for 12 years and 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 haven't had a single lawsuit so well, that's a liberating uh, experience <laughs> right there, and it, it's made us become more free as owners too. I think, and in having something like you as an advocate in general in the field, and that's what's been wonderful about about Mike Bush and and all that you've done, and um, and watching you over the years, it's uh, and like I said, it's been it's like such a pleasure to be able to finally meet you and talk to you. And then obviously, I want to get out to Oshkosh and say hi. I know I think you said you won't make it to Sun and Fun this year. Wish you could come down. Right, um, I normally don't go to Sun and Fun, but I'm usually a fixture at Oshkosh. I think I probably do more presentations at Oshkosh than any other single human being. Wow. Um, typically do 12 or 13 different uh, forums, all on different subjects, uh, usually two or three every day of the of the show. But that, I tell you, that must be wear you out. I mean, I, I know we talk all day on the radio station, but it sounds like you might be talking more than us. <laughs> yeah, I, you know, after after Air Venture Week, I come home and I soak my head in a bucket for about a week. <laughs> <laughs> well, gosh, I can't wait to see you at, at Air Venture this year. But also, uh, make us aware, too, about uh, all the d- different things that you do. I guess the easiest way to find out about the books, et cetera, just at uh, SavvyAviation.com. Uh, yeah, if you go to um, to SavvyAviation.com and then you click on the Resources tab in the top menu, it will take you to a page that has just a wealth of stuff. It's got hundreds of my articles. It's got hundreds of videos of my webinars. 
It's got the four books. Uh, uh, it, it's just a ton of stuff there, all all available. So if you just go to Savvy Aviation and then click on resources, it's just just a mass amount of stuff there. That um, it's it's actually quite a quite a body of work. I've been doing the webinars for EAA every month since 2010, um, and uh, I, I have all my articles uh, that I've written for the last uh, 10 years or so um, up on the site both for EAA Sport Aviation and for AOPA Pilot they're all they're all up there so a lot of people are wondering you know how how do you do this all this and keep it going there's also this incredible team uh, behind I've, I've, I've got a fabulous team that I mean one of my objectives when I started the company was to to build a team so that you know, if something happened to me, everything would keep on ticking, and 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 I, I I really feel proud that I've accomplished that, and so I'm I'm able to do all this outreach stuff and all the writing and so on, and um, uh, you know, and and most of the time the the team handles handles everything except for really extraordinary circumstances where I have to get personally involved but it's 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 a, it's a great team and we do a lot of, of really good stuff we, we started off with sort of a simple concept of doing this uh, uh, maintenance management for for aircraft owners or representation and we've now diversified there's a whole slew of different things that we services that we offer and those, obviously, like we said, can be found at Savvy Aviation. And uh, we've been speaking to Mike Bush, who's founder of Savvy Aviation, also an extraordinary mechanic, incredible teacher, and an advocate for us, the owner of our aircraft, and also for mechanics, too. And uh, he is someone that's been able to teach many, many people through all that he's done through webinars, uh, through his books, through the websites, and one-on-one -on -one counseling. Mike, it's been it's been a pleasure, and I cannot wait to see you over at Oshkosh. I will be there, Carl, with bells on. <laughs> <laughs> if and it's, if it's like last year, there, I will be glued to uh, uh, Forum Plaza Pavilion Seven, which is the one right in the middle, and uh, uh, giving giving talks there. So, and I, I I'd love to. Meet people there. If anybody who has books want autograph, I usually have to do a couple of autographing sessions there. And uh, but yeah, I do a, do a lot of presentations there and meet a lot of people. And it's uh, it's very exhausting, but it's an awful lot of fun. Um, actually, I wanted to mention one thing that uh, that uh, a lot of people probably don't know about because it's it's actually fairly new, but. Um, one of the things that the, that my company is now doing is um, a service called Savvy Breakdown, which is basically AAA for general aviation. Um, we do breakdown assistance. If, if you're traveling with your airplane and, and, and wind up having a problem away from home, uh, we've got a 24-7 hotline. Uh, you call the hotline within 15 minutes. One of our IAs is on the phone with you walking you through the a diagnosis, a diagnosis of the problem and um, helping helping you deal with it so you can get back on your way. Well, that's uh, something revolutionary right there. I was going to say, what's next for Savvy? But I guess that's the, the next step is uh, the breakdown assistance. Has this, uh, how long have you had this implemented? 
Well, we we've been doing it for a few years. Um, uh, it, it's but it's just taken off really in the last two years, and uh, uh, we have about three thousand aircraft owners that are subscribing to the service, and we're trying to. Uh, our goal is to get that up to about ten thousand. Um, but it's it's a pretty cool service. I it's it's just one of those things that um, I couldn't believe nobody was doing it. You know, there there are there are breakdown assistance services for literally every other class of of owner operated motor vehicles, whether it's cars or RVs or boats or or, or all terrain vehicles, <laughs> jet skis, um, <laughs> but nobody was doing it for for airplanes. Now, admittedly, it's a lot harder to do for airplanes. Um, I mean, there are two big things that are different with airplanes. One is you can't tow them. Right. You, you know, you have to deal with them where they sit. And the uh, whereas most breakdown assistance services for other kinds of vehicles are basically towing services, we, we can't can't do that. And and the other thing, of course, is that aviation is much more regulated than, than any other kind of vehicle. But um, uh, and, and so the the conventional wisdom was that it couldn't be done for for airplanes, and I don't like conventional <laughs> wisdom, as you may have noticed. <laughs> so uh, we decided to uh, to start start it. It's been a it's been a great service, and uh, it's um, like I say, it's relatively new. It's it's the fastest growing part of our company, although it's still a pretty small part of our company. And um, but I, I think it's kind of exciting that. Uh, that we're able to to do stuff like this for to, to make general aviation um, make make it easier for people to use general aviation for serious transportation, really. And to find out information about that, they would just go to Savvy Aviation and click on the homepage services. Yeah, SavvyAviation.com. If you click on services, it takes you to uh, a list of all of the different services that we offer. And uh, one of them is called Savvy Breakdown, and there's uh, the, the description of it and how to sign up and so on. And it's very inexpensive. You know, we just talked about the book and, and this uh, breakdown assistance. There's so much more. Uh, and there's, you know, savvy maintenance, your consulting, your pre-buy, which I've used in the past, which has been mm -hmm. awesome. Uh, and it's just there's a, just a modicum of information and services here. Great job with the, I mean, all the people I've inter interfaced with at Savvy have been terrific. And Thank you. Yeah. Yeah. This That's has great been to hats hear. Off. Yeah. And I haven't been paid to say that, by the way. <laughs> the, <laughs> and not by me. No, definitely not. <laughs> and one thing that I think that we need to do as owners in general uh, to get back to that is that we need to really take more of a control and also more of a part of that process and become really owners in command like you said and to do that the first step I think is to read the book read Manifesto the revolutionary approach to general aviation maintenance it really is something that you'll learn something from like I said the second book I just could not put down my wife thought I was crazy I got up in the morning read it all night and uh, and got up the next day and finished it uh, you might well, do Carl, the same I, I agree with your wife I think you're crazy too. <laughs> if we read that in one in one second <laughs> it's it's that good I mean it really is it's uh, it's one of those things I did a lot of I even did a lot of highlighting in it but it's it was a boom 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 and I, I think the big 
biggest thing is that it's also available uh, out there on the Kindle. Some of them are different formats in Kindle, and uh, so some of the books are actually more like a PDF. Some are more in the Kindle format, so it might you might uh, be a little see a little difference in the the readability of that. Um, so just just a heads up on that when you're actually reading the book. So, uh, but it, otherwise, it, it's uh, it's a terrific book, and uh, and I can't wait to see more. I can't wait to see the the rest in that series. And like you said, it's coming out shortly, right? Yeah, all the, in fact, all the Kindle uh, uh, books now, uh, the price has been dropped to nine ninety nine. Oh wow! So it's 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 uh, that's the cheapest way to read the book is to get it get it on Kindle. It sure is. Well, Mike, thanks for joining us. Uh, hopefully, you'll come back again, and we'll talk some more aviation maintenance, and we'll see you uh, at some of the air shows. Uh, this has been terrific talking to you. I've learned something uh, in this conversation, and hopefully the people here that have learned something, they can reach out to us, uh, contact at stuckmikeavcast.com, or if you have a, a question for Mike, just go to Savvy Aviation. You can find out more. Again, thanks, Mike, for being here. Uh, what you do is, is wonderful, and I can't wait to see more. Thanks, Carl. I've enjoyed this. Well, folks, if you're listening right now and you want to learn more, of course, go to the show notes. Like I said, contact at stuckmikeavcast.com and look at Savvy Aviation. Look at the Facebook page. Learn some more. There's many different videos out there, the books you can read. Uh, you can download them to your Kindle. Like I, like he said, that's the, the least expensive way to do it. You'll glean some great information from it. Just getting started in aviation, it's a great way to learn about maintenance and engines, etc. If you're somebody who's been in the industry for decades like myself, it you will learn something from it there's something there for everybody well folks i hope you really enjoyed listening to mike bush talk about the uh his book, Manifesto, and all the other services he has. As a reminder, we did pre-record this, so all the references that we talked about as far as Sun and Fun being still on, it's actually been postponed uh, May 5th uh, through the 10th of 2020, and uh, they're making a final decision April 17th. So if you're listening to this after that point, you'll know if it's actually on. Either way, we'd love to see you at the air shows. Can't wait to see you out there. Look for us in the orange shirts. Safe flying. We'll talk to you next episode. You've been listening to the Stuck Mike Abcast. Members of the Stuck Mike Abcast may receive compensation for products or services mentioned during the podcast. Compensation may be received in the form of, but not limited to, referral commissions, free products or service trials. Our opinions and views are never influenced by any compensation, and you should always perform your own due diligence before purchasing any products or services mentioned during the show. The Stuck Mike Avcast is an aviation podcast and a Valeri Aviation Corporation production.